Welcome everybody to this year's episode of this year's this week's episode of Couch QBs, the week seven recap. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Couch underscore QBs. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple and Spotify. Give us a nice five star review on Apple Podcasts as we delve into the week seven slate. Um, it was probably one of the best weeks of football we've had all year, wouldn't you say? Yes, I would say after we left the f- week one and two, we had a bit of a dry spell of really competitive weeks, and we finally have hit stride, and we hit a great slate of football. All the big matchups were exactly what we wanted them to be, and you just love it when a plan comes together. Yeah, we're kind of, it's nice because we're finally like, we know who's good and who's not now, right? Like we're getting an idea maybe. of the, I mean, maybe, but we're- I tell myself that a lot, like at, <laughs> at a few different points throughout the year usually. Usually I used to say it was week five, but with no preseason, it felt like week five, if we just ended or we just started the season, mm-hmm. but because there's no preseason games, obviously. So I think I have a better grip on it now. And it's nice to see how it's going to shape out, get some storylines going. It's the best time of the year. It is for sure. So we'll, let's jump right into it. We'll talk with the early game of the day. Um, with the game of the day that we thought going into the day was going to be the best game. It was the two undefeated teams in the AFC, the Pittsburgh Steelers taking on the Tennessee Titans. And the Steelers took this one, a 27 to 24 victory. They were up 27 to seven at one point in this game and the Titans battled back to within three and Steven Goskowski missed a kick at the end of regulation. Again. Again, to send the game into overtime and Big Ben was shocked. Did you see the video of Big Ben? It's like, wow. He he couldn't believe it, yeah. (laughs) He was in shock and Big Ben didn't have a banner day. He had had three picks, but did enough through the air and uh, James Conner had a big day for the Steelers too. Um, as the Steelers went on, they're the only undefeated team left at 6-0. and what, what was your first impression after seeing the result of this game? I would love to hate on the Steelers and the horrible quarterback play, but the biggest thing is just finding ways to win in the NFL, and they found a way to hang on just to the very last, the last play of the game, obviously, the kick. Um, and I just think that the best part about this game is this: we could see this again in the playoffs. And this isn't a game where you look at it and you're like, Oh, well, like if this happens again in the playoffs, like the Steelers are just going to run away with it. This is a game that could very easily go either way come playoff time. And I really hope it does. I would love to see this matchup again. Um, this is one of the better games. I mean, anytime you have 200 feet teams going at it, like it's the best. Yeah. Cause someone has to come away <laughs> with a loss. Um, and it's just, I don't know, really enjoyed it. Fun to watch. Um, but yeah, the Steelers' defense is just—they're the real deal. Anytime you can stop Derrick Henry, yeah, like twenty for seventy-five, Derrick Henry, twenty carries for seventy-five yards—that's very, very unlike what we've seen from him. It's weird to say that that's modest for Derrick Henry. (laughs) But yeah, great game. Um, and Ben Roethlisberger sucked, and I—I mean, I can't believe he came out of this with a win after throwing three interceptions. Because usually you look at teams and, I mean, you look at who won and who lost, you can look at the turnovers, and that'll tell you pretty much the story. Yeah. And Tennessee didn't have a single turnover to Pittsburgh's three. So looking at that, you would assume that Tennessee probably won, but not the case, and that's just the nature of football sometimes. Yeah, and it, I mean, it helped for sure, obviously, that Pittsburgh jumped out to that huge lead early. They were up 24-7 at the end of the half, 27-7 at one point early in the, uh, early in the second half. 
Um, and they really dominated the beginning of that game. Um, and Ben, <laughs> Ben's mistakes aside, he, he just, it's just amazing to watch the Steelers this year and just wonder what could have happened last year with them if Ben was healthy. Because it's not like Ben has been great this year. He really hasn't. But it's just mm-hmm. like stable quarterback play. And he's got – they always have weapons. Like they're the best team at drafting wide receivers ever. Like I, I don't know if anybody can even sniff at the, the people that they continue to put in their roster. But in, this was everybody expecting the Claypool game. He's gone off for the last couple of weeks. And you could see the Titans were focused on taking him out of this game. And he didn't really mm-hmm. have a big impact. So what do the Steelers do? Their game plan is designed around Deontay Johnson. And this dude comes out and just looks like a stud. I mean, he had nine catches for 80 yards and two touchdowns. Juju himself, nine catches, 85 yards. But Deontay Johnson just opened those quick slants over the middle. He's just shifty. And it's they have guys that can do pretty much anything at the receiver position. They just have weapons all over and guys that excel in different areas. And it's tough to beat a team when they've got when they're so versatile on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. And with Ben Roethlisberger, who by no means is a dynamic quarterback where he's going to be running or anything like that. Like he's clearly can only pass. He's not, he can't move very well. So he's a pocket passer, which is becoming more and more rare in the NFL. And they still find a way to get it done. Mike Tomlin is a very good coach. That's yeah. something that should not go unnoticed. Yeah. the, I mean, it's, the Steelers coaches throughout history, there's been, we know very well, this is he, Mike Thomas, only the third one in history. And you can see why they are so careful in picking the yeah. guys that they do, because he's built a culture that is just set up to succeed there. And when they finally, even when they don't have the talent, they're still a good team, but now they actually have the talent. And I don't think we've seen a Steelers defense like this in a long time. Like we usually think of the Steelers to have the steel curtain defense. This is a legit steel curtain yeah. defense. They're, disgusting on defense having a Watt brother um who every time i look up he's making highlight plays yeah he's in on a tackle for a loss and he's just someone that you have to game plan for and anytime you find a defender that you're having a game plan for like that's already a part of the problem Mm -hmm. you're like oh no we have to like double this guy we have to like be shifting our line in weird directions and it just throws a wrench in i think anyone's offensive game planning yeah and i don't I don't know about you, but I don't think this game changed really what I thought about the Titans at all. I think they just lost to a no, great a football they, team. There's a reason that both these teams are undefeated because they're yeah. both very good teams. And the Titans, I mean, they went down big in that game and they responded and they yeah, came and, right, and they had they a chance back. to win it. Yeah, their field goal at the end of the game misses Goskowski again, struggling for them today or the other yeah. day. Um, not something that they want to see come up, but the fact that they can get back into that game against a team like that, they've got to still feel encouraged going the rest of the way. Yeah. And that's just, I mean, sometimes, you know, you get down to it and that's the nature of football comes down to a field goal. You're, and he misses it. And it's a game of inches. And and what, and the the best, like what would happen if it goes into overtime? Exactly. They had all the momentum at that point. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but yeah, great game. If you throw yeah, if you throw an extra 10 minutes at the end of the game, who wins? Exactly. Who knows? And I'm, I hope we get to see this game again. Fingers uh, crossed. In, in j- January. Uh, do you think that the Steelers are the best team in the AFC after Sunday, or do you still have the Chiefs or somebody else in front of the Steelers? As long as the Chiefs are showing up. I think <laughs> so, sometimes we see the Chiefs where they kind of, like when they played the, was it the Chargers game, mm-hmm. where they just didn't show up. And I think that as long as 
they are 100% there and they game plan well, I think that the Chiefs are still the better team. But I wouldn't be surprised if the Steelers' defense gave them legitimate problems, especially with stopping um, Clyde's Edward Allaire. Because, I mean, they've recently been running the ball a hell of a lot more than they used to. Yeah. Like last year, I don't remember them running the ball like this. And it's been fun to watch because it's a totally different like wrinkle that they're adding, I think. And it's, I think, but I think that the Steelers would give them legitimate problems um, with their run game. Yeah. Which, I, think- leading on, I mean, and the word, and the, the caveat to that is, okay, so now you have to lean on Pat Mahomes. <laughs> so it's not a bad I person mean, to lean on. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think that they would just have to change the way that they've been playing week to week based like when they would have to play the Steelers, but it could be a coin flip for me. Yeah, I'm still leading. I mean, I still think the Chiefs are the best team until further notice, but I think the Steelers might be the most complete team in the AFC and maybe the NFL, just top to bottom, just depth at every position, studs at every position. Very well-rounded. We're not going to see the Chiefs and Steelers during the regular season, but if that's an AFC title game, it I'm very interested to see what would happen if they play in a playoff matchup. And interested to see this week, um, Steelers going to Baltimore and – we know Big it doesn't. Game. Even if those teams aren't that good, it's still a lights out, hard hitting affair between those two. We know what the games that they've played throughout history, the best rivalry in the NFL probably, and we get it now in their combined record of eleven and one. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun on Sunday between those. Yeah, two. and the biggest knock on the Steelers early in the season was that they didn't play anyone, and now they're playing teams that are legitimately good. Yeah, and they're getting checked, and they're I mean they're passing. Yeah, so let's. It'll be interesting to see what happens on Sunday. Let's move on to the other big division or the big divisional matchup. The game that was supposed to be Sunday afternoon moved to Sunday night, and thank God it was moved to Sunday night because it was an amazing, amazing affair. The Seattle Seahawks and Arizona Cardinals played in Arizona, and the Cardinals snuck away in overtime with a thirty-seven to thirty-four win um, in a game that the Seahawks probably should have won and could have won multiple different times throughout the fourth quarter and overtime, but the Cardinals just wouldn't go away. Uh, Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson both put on a show. Um, and if this was anything for me for Sunday, it not even the coming out party for Kyler Murray, because I think we all know how good he was, but for him to finally go out there and perform like that on a national stage, I think kind of opened the eyes of people of how special this Arizona team might be able to uh, might be in the future. Yeah, and I instantly after this game ended, I texted in our group chat and said, "This is the best game of the year," <laughs> which I think it's. I think it. I think it was because this was the most fun I've had watching a football game, and because you just slowly but surely saw the Cardinals claw their way back. At no point were they winning until the very end of the game, which I didn't yeah. even realize until I think they had um, Collinsworth announcing and. The last play of the game, like, and that's the first time that the Cardinals had led the have led the game in overtime is when they when they won it. And seeing Kyler Murray being able, because his big um, knock on him is that he can't pass, which just it isn't really fair. Um, he clearly can pass. He clearly can run, and he looks. I'm not gonna say it was this was like a passing of the torch game, but this was like a game where you saw two quarterbacks that have similar set of skills being matched up against each other, and it was just a pleasure to watch. It was a show. Uh, they put on a show. Let's Russ, 33 for 50, 388, three touchdowns, three picks for Russ, which was really the story. Uncharacteristic. Of the game. Especially that last pick where it just looked like there was a huge miscommunication in overtime 
it looked like he was trying to hit a timing route to DK or block. I don't even know which one he was trying to throw to because they weren't running the right routes and he threw it basically right at Isaiah Simmons, but a great play by Isaiah Simmons to get that pick. But I mean, even right before that, I was, I was first, I thought that before that holding call, DK Metcalf had just run in on a screen pass and scored a touchdown. Yeah. So it was just, that's like the, the epitome of a roller coaster of this game was, was that it went from a touchdown to a flag to a pick, which basically decided the game in favor of the Cardinals. But like you said earlier, it was just impressive to see the Cardinals just keep fighting back. Like they were down two possessions at multiple points in this game and just never, they never doubted um, the fact that they could come back and they trusted in Kyler and Kyler 34, 48, 360, three touchdowns and a pick and then 67 yards on the ground with a touchdown as well. I mean, there's not much you can do that, that he's doing everything he can to win that game. And it's a, after last week's performance, nine for 24 against the Cowboys, he really came out and proved that, uh, we should be talking about him as much as all these other young quarterbacks that we're talking and, about. And let's not ignore Card- the Cardinals' defense is legit. Buda Baker, the free safety with 11 solo tackles. Yeah. That's, that's nuts. And then the interception that he almost housed and put his team in the red zone. Um, DK Metcalf with – he hit 21 miles an hour. We got the next-gen stats going <laughs> to hawk down Buda Baker, which was insane to watch. DK Metcalf has – he just loves to hustle. I've love never it. seen anything like that, like in my life. Just the way he got on his horse, it was just you saw he you saw yeah. when he passed Russ. Russ was once just I like, saw him pass Russ, I was like, oh no. <laughs> Russ just tailed off. He's like, oh DK's got it, no worries. And I didn't know if he was gonna get there in time, but you saw him gaining ground. It was like, holy shit, he's I, really gonna catch up. I just imagine GMs around the league when they saw that play, just hanging their head and saying the three cone drill doesn't matter. Yeah, <laughs> because you you just have to because I think his his biggest knock was that he's not going to be able to run routes well. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'd, I'd rather have someone who could run a four three and is built like that, and then later on I'll teach him how to run a route. Yeah, I think, I think he figured like, it out. <laughs> yeah, because he looks really good. Um, even though this wasn't even a really good game for him, this was more so the Tyler Lockett game. Um, oh yeah, Tyler Lockett with two hundred yards. And three yeah. touchdowns. Let's give Tyler Lockett his good respect for you fantasy owners. Because he's a he's been a guy that I don't think people talk about a lot as one of the top receivers in the league. I don't think he gets that respect, but he's been the most consistent receiver for us for years now. He's the he cornerstone. Has, yeah, and he has guy. and he has days like this every year where he just goes off. And this was one of those nights, and he was just unstoppable. Yeah, I still think he's a very flashy player. I think that even I think when people think about the Seahawks, they still think DK Metcalf is like being better than Tyler Lockett for some reason, but I think that Tyler Lockett's a much more experienced and steady receiver. But I think that if this Seattle team wants to have a chance to win the NFC championship or make a legit run, they need to add someone on defense. Their DBs are horrible, horrible. Yeah. And I, I can't imagine this team not going out and getting someone before the trade deadline. They need to. Yeah, they got to do they got to do something on any any position on the defensive side of the ball because the way that they're playing like all they needed was one stop really in that game and it's over. And they first of all, don't take the ball out of Russ's hands on third down with a minute left in that game. No. That they're running the ball to Travis Homer too. It's not cuz Chris Carson's hurt. It wasn't even your starting running back. Like give that ball to Russell Wilson and let him make the decision and go from there. But them giving the ball to the Cardinals, you knew that the Cardinals were going to come down and get in the field goal position at the second they got the ball back. 
no matter where they were because that Seahawks defense is just not they can't get stops. They can't Swiss get cheese. off the field. Yeah, they get they don't get off holes. the field in key, <laughs> in key times. Yeah, um, and Kyle, yeah, Kyler Murray embarrassed them. Um, but yeah, absolute barn burner. Love to watch it, and so far my favorite game of the year. And it, may be that, recent, it, may, it might be recency bias. No, I think that was the best of the game most, of the year. I think you're right. I think I don't know if there was. I don't think there was a game better than this this year at all. I'm trying to think. I think it was Seattle Patriots before this. Yeah. And that's Seattle just seems to always find themselves in the spot where well, they're just. Seattle's just never played games. in a, they've never played in a normal football game ever in their lives. And Which they, this works for me. I like this. Yeah, I'm good with it. And but except I'm you know what I'm not good with? The my, when we'll talk about this in a little bit when we talk about our teams here coming up next, actually. Um my Buffalo Bills schedule, they get the New England Patriots this week, which on its own I'll talk about that in a minute. It's another whole other different kind of hurdle for the Bills to jump, not football-wise, just kind of mentally-wise. But after that, they get to host the Seattle Seahawks and then go to the Arizona Cardinals before their bye week. And if you've watched the Buffalo Bills defense this year, it's it's been bad. It, it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks, especially against those two quarterbacks. I, I'm not very uh, optimistic, but we'll see. That was just a, it was a great game, game of the year, and I'm thank God for Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson. Honestly, field takes. Baker Mayfield shows up. I just don't think he even knows that he's playing a football game th- that day. Because I think that sometimes he just – this is the second week in a row where his first pass has been an interception. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> like, how is that possible? And not even just an interception. Five. It got Odell hurt on the play, too. Yeah. The play that he, yeah. Bad, horrible five. start. And then he just wakes up and then goes and throws five touch, five consecutive touchdowns. So I don't know if he just doesn't come out like mentally prepared or if it's just he's feeling a little slow. Um, Because after the first quarter of that game, I was like, are we going to pull him? Can we just pull him? (laughs) And then, of course, we didn't. And then he goes on to throw, was it 21 consecutive completions? Yep. Um, He would have had 22, but one of them was a spike. So I I, I don't know how he – pulls the rabbit out of the hat there and just remembers how to play quarterback. Um, but yeah, I just hope that he'll stop showing up half awake in the first quarter. Great to see this great win though, because even though it's the Bengals, this team needed it. This team needed it bad because everyone was really, I think feeling sorry for themselves for a little bit. Um, seeing Odell go down is probably the worst thing, but also, Maybe not. You hit, and you can elaborate on that a little bit more. Obviously, we don't see, want to see anyone get hurt. No, that, that no. It's uh, first of all, it's terrible for Odell. We hope he gets a speed yes. recovery. You never want to see anybody go down with a torn ACL ever or anything. And you could tell right away that it was it wasn't good. The way he dropped and went down, it was just it was tough to see. But I, <laughs> I don't know, man. I just think like Bake. I think that they don't. It's just been the, their relationship has been weird to me. From the since last year, like you could just tell that it was like they were trying, like really trying to be like close and be good together. But I don't think that they, I, I, I don't know. Just I, I look at body language. Maybe I read into it too much. But especially you sent me a clip a couple weeks ago when uh, Baker threw a touchdown to somebody not that Harrison was not, Bryant. Yeah, to Harrison Bryant, not Odell or Jarvis, and runs over to them and is like, "Don't worry, guys, you'll get yours." Like, why would you in the middle of a game say that to somebody unless you're really that worried about getting them the ball? Yeah. 
And so I just think like that, it's like you didn't even go celebrate. You wanted to go, <laughs> no, don't worry, guys. Console I the other, you after you. you score a touchdown, you're consoling your teammates. Like, that's just weird. I'm going to throw it to you eventually. <laughs> so I just think my half-baked theory here is that it's in Baker's head that he needs to keep Odell happy because he's the star receiver and he doesn't want to make that make him unhappy and bring this team down because we know what an unhappy Odell Beckham can do to a team. And so he goes out, he goes out hurt and it's just like a weight lifted off Baker's shoulders. Like he's just like, okay, I don't have to get, I don't have to force the ball to Odell. I don't have to think about Odell. I can just spread it around and make the smartest play possible for this team. And Mind you, this is against the Bengals, who Baker also showed out against in week two, and the Bengals' yeah. defense is absolutely atrocious. I mean, they're just a shit. The Bengals as a whole, besides but that game winning throw, no, th- no, that's what I was going to get. Both those throws, I wrote that down here. Made big time throws. The Higgins, the throw to Higgins down the sideline to get them into position for the game winning touchdown. That was a dime to Higgins. Like a lot of quarterbacks don't make that throw in a pressure situation, and Baker just, I mean, absolutely absolute dime to Higgins and then same throw to Donovan Peoples Jones, a dude that hadn't had a catch at all <laughs> before th- that game. Yeah. And he goes off and, and throws that. And it's a great back shoulder throw into the end zone. I mean, yeah. And I'm okay with seeing um, Rashad Higgins getting more snaps. I don't know why we weren't giving him more opportunities before mm-hmm. because I always thought that last year, he, I mean, last year I thought he played well and had some flashes, but I just never thought he got enough attention. He had a lot of chemistry with Baker too. Correct. And I think that especially with Baker, you need to like latch onto anything you can find <laughs> because it clearly wasn't working out with Odell. I really think there's something to this Odell thing. I don't, I don't have any sort. I'm not, I don't have any sources. You're not a source. I'm not a source guy and I don't have anything other than just my body language and years of watching sports. And it just, his like attitude completely changed when Odell was out of the game and it just looked, he looked more confident when he was spreading the ball around and not worrying about that. And maybe they're just maybe they're just not a mix together, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's, it doesn't always work out between quarterback and wide receiver, but you got to be encouraged with what you saw. Not just, I mean, Baker putting up numbers against the Bengals, whatever. It's the Bengals, but just the way that he carried himself in that game. You're confident, and, and you're down with a. I mean, you're down with a minute left, and you need to score a touchdown. There's not a lot of quarterbacks. In uh, the, yeah, I don't care what situation you're in. You still got to win. Like I understand that these aren't like. The Bengals aren't a great team, but do you think that when you're driving down the field, you're like, well, the Bengals kind of suck. Like, <laughs> no, yeah. you're going like, to win the game. At that point, it doesn't matter. They're an NFL it team. Feels you got to go win no the game. What. Yeah. And it was impressive. You got to be happy with it. You got to be happy with what you saw from your quarterback there. So. I am. I am happy with it. Five and two. I'm, yeah. <sighs> squarely in a playoff spot right if now. If you would have told me at the beginning of the year we're going to be five and two, I'd say you're a liar. <laughs> um, on the other side of the ball, I think that we're noticing a story that we're going to see all year that's going to say Joe Burrow is a rising star that's stuck on this horrible team yeah. that needs to get better around him. Because, yeah. I mean, he's slowly but surely from week one, like he's slowly but surely been progressing and just looking more crisp and making completing more passes. And, I mean, he had 400 passing yards. And 30, I mean, obviously yeah. this team is leaning heavily on their passing game. But it's just – Seeing him get better makes me happy. He's a really good quarterback, and I think that he'll be in this league. Him and Kyler Murray both, two young rising stars that I'm excited to see in five years how they look. 35 of 47 for 406, three touchdowns and a pick. Also 34 yards rushing, and he had a sneak for a touchdown. Um, I don't care who you are. 
that's a, an impressive stat line. The fact that he's doing it with this team. Now, mind you, this te- they've got weapons. Like, T. Higgins is going to be a fucking stud. That guy is always open, and he's only going to get better. Tyler Boyd has been a stud for years now, just been buried away in Cincinnati, yeah. but he's been a really good receiver for years, and he clearly has a lot of chemistry with Boyd. And A.J. Green is your third receiver He's not bad in that role at this point in his career. Like he, that's honestly kind of the perfect role for him to kind of mentor these younger guys and be in that position as like the Joe Burrow safety outlet, which he is. Yeah, and I just think that if they get a bit of an offensive line and then some defense to give them a little bit of help, that this team could be good in the future. And especially in the in the division, I mean, they, I don't know, not this year, obviously. But in a few years, they they might have an opportunity to yeah, be. Yeah, maybe even next the, year. It could be next year if they do well at drafting and mm-hmm. can pick up a little bit of help on defense with some acquisitions in the offseason. But we'll see. I hope the best for them. Yeah, the AFC but not North. too not too well. <laughs> not too well, exactly. Yeah, because yeah, I was going to say the AFC North for years to come is going to just be loaded. Like the Steelers are always whatever whatever happens quarterback there when Big Ben retires i'm sure that there's still Dwayne haskins you think he's Dwayne haskins has to go i think he's not going to be in washington forever somebody whoever the steelers get will work out because they're the steelers like they they are going to turn out a good football team no matter what so you can't ever count them out lamar's not going anywhere no joe burrow's not going anywhere and i don't think the brown the browns regardless of where baker ends up in the future that team around him is they've got talent at every single position they're not going anywhere for a long time either so the AFC North is going to be fun, and it's fun right now. I mean, you've got yes. the three teams at the top, 6-0, and 5-1, and 5-2. and two. That's, that's crazy to think. Go Browns. Go Brownies. All right, let's move on to the Buffalo Bills, who uh, this – we don't. I mean, there's not really anything exciting to talk about in this game. It was pretty much the, probably the ugliest game of Sunday. Honestly, we've talked about these three amazing games. This was the ugliest game on Sunday. The Bills won 18-10. to 10. Six field goals by Tyler Bass. Couldn't Bills couldn't finish in the red zone. Josh Allen had a pretty good day. Uh, three hundred six yards through the air. And uh, if you uh, if you don't get paid, it doesn't count. <laughs> and they didn't. They couldn't. They could not score touchdowns. And it was incredibly frustrating to watch them play the New York Jets <laughs> and uh, not be able to put it in the end zone. But the second half, the Jets had negative four yards on offense. And I think that's the performance I really want to stick with here is that the bills defense has had nothing to hang their hat on at all this year. No, I know bad every single week. (laughs) Yeah. And that's so uncharacteristic because last year it was like the bills defense is going to keep them in every game and the offense has to make some plays to win them games. And that's what carried them to the playoffs. And this year has been a complete 180, and this defense just hasn't figured it out yet. And I think that, They've got a lot of new guys on the defense, especially on the defensive line and at the linebacker position. Like, the, And they've had injuries at the linebacker position and in the secondary all year. So there's been a lot of different factors that have you know went into this defense being not as good. But it's still just a Sean McDermott team, the way you've watched them play the last couple of years, their defense is what carried them. So it's just been weird. And maybe this is the game that they needed to just you know kind of get their mojo back and get some momentum going because uh, they beat up. The, and I, it's the Jets, so they should be beating up the Jets. But 190 yards of offense, six sacks. Like they were that second half, it was just complete domination by the Bills defense. Yeah. And so, what's wrong with your rushing game? Because I noticed that Devin Singletary, I keep waiting for him to be good. 
and at no point throughout the entire year has he showed me to be good. I don't know if Devin Singletary is the guy, man. I had Zach Moss, had, they split the carries pretty evenly between him and Zach Moss on Sunday. Um, snaps where, like, I think I saw after the game was like 40 to 35 in favor of Singletary. But Zach Moss looked like the better back on Sunday. Singletary just, he hasn't had that escapability. He, last year, he was really good at breaking tackles or getting out of tackles and making something out of nothing. He's not doing that this year. He's getting no. like two yards and then getting hit. And the Bills have had a lot of uh, injuries on the offensive line, and they're get, supposed to get one of their best offensive linemen, John Feliciano, back this year. He's their best rush, run uh, lineman. But I don't think that's an excuse. I think Singletary, just, he just hasn't been what they expected. I think he's been disappointing. So when you look to the trade deadline, what do you think for the Buffalo Bills? Um, what do they I don't think the most? On the, either Probably on the defensive line or in the secondary. Um, a, a rush edge. I mean, that's hard to find in the NFL, right? Especially at the yeah. deadline. But they could use, honestly, anybody on the defensive line for depth because they're missing Star Latulier, who decided to sit out for the year. Um, Jordan Phillips, who's in Arizona, and he, was, he had a sack on Sunday and was, had a big impact. They're missing him a lot. So interior defensive line, maybe, or corners, because they are very thin at corner. And Josh Norman's been hurt a bunch. Levi Wallace has been their other starter. Josh corner. Norman stinks. Yeah, I don't think he's good anymore. And I know, and it's so weird because he used to be one of the best. Mm-hmm. It was him and oh god, it was him and who else that year that were just like lockdown corners. And now it's just he's he's not good. He's kind of a I, 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 and I've I, every game that he's played this year. I, I mean, he had the fumble recovery a couple weeks ago, which is good, but that whole game he was getting torched by the chiefs. He was getting torched by the Titans and we saw what he got thrown. Yeah. He got thrown. I think that's just bad juju for him to begin with. Once and I saw that happen, I was like, okay, I was like, he's, he's probably almost out of the league. Right. <laughs> at that point, I wish he was, I wish they would have just cut him at halftime. I wish he would have retired at halftime like Vontae Davis and just left the field. <laughs> but Tredavious white hasn't been that great this year either. I mean, he's, hasn't been his all pro best cornerback in the league self either. And I think a lot of it has to do because the defensive line just hasn't been as good as they have been in years past. They did. This is the first game that he they got, got his got. money and rain with it, honestly, but they haven't, this is the first year they haven't gotten sustained pressure on the quarterback with four people. Um, and they can't, they're not a good blitzing team because they get exposed over the middle right now. So it's just, there's a lot of holes on that defense. I don't think that they anticipated and injuries don't help, but, they need their stars to step up. They need Tredavious White to step up. They need their safeties to step up. And they need the defensive line to get a lot of pressure. Agreed. Um, and I also think it's time to acknowledge that Josh Allen might not be the MVP quarterback that we thought he was. <laughs> Josh Allen was never the I, – I wish people would have he stopped was, saying that. Because he was just – no, I, and I don't think happen. anyone thought that he legitimately <laughs> was. But I think people were like, oh, Dark Horse MVP. Now, like, mind you, a, this was game fringe, was good. He was a fringe MVP guy for – what was that three or four weeks mm-hmm. and i think people kind of came back to earth and was like yeah he's good but he's not the best player in the league good i think the offense really really misses john brown the last three weeks um that oh, yeah. guy like it can't be understated how much you're missing a one of your starting wide receivers can be but especially when it like he was by far their best wide receiver last year and obviously Diggs yeah. is their number one receiver now but you can't. Replace you don't want to be leaning like on Cole Beasley too much. No, and Cole he had a Beasley's great game, good. but I know that's what I'm saying. I saw. I'm looking at his stats right now with 112 yards, which is good. But week to week, you don't want Cole Beasley to be your number one guy. Yeah, and obviously that's Stephon Diggs. 
but you'd much rather have John Brown out there who clearly has shown to have um, good chemistry with Josh Allen and mm-hmm. has been really like the most productive wide receiver I can think of before Stephon Diggs has come in Buffalo. I've said it before, probably on this podcast. I know I've said it to you before. John Brown's literally always open. Like that dude is, he's rarely ever not open on the field. And so just having a guy like that just opens up their offense immensely. I think that, and I think that, I think he's probably going to play this week. I'm hope I'm cautiously optimistic that he's playing this week. They didn't need him against the Jets. Like, I mean, they, I, apparently they did because they couldn't get to the end zone, but they knew that they were going to win this game one way or another, I think. And they wanted to sit those guys and get them ready for this, uh, this tough stretch com- of three games coming up for them. But they really, they just miss him and they miss their tight ends. They had no tight ends because Dawson Knox is on the COVID list and four of their tight ends were exposed to him. So only Tyler Croft was their only rostered tight end that played because, and the only reason he played is because he was in labor. His wife was in labor for over 24 hours. So he wasn't with the tight ends that day. And so, oh, he got yeah, out yeah I read that. Yeah. And Reggie Gilliam, who was a practice squad tight end and no one expected anything out of. So it was just a weird ass game. And I'm just chalking it up. They got out of there with a win. Um, five and two, still first place in the division. They really needed a win, especially with the Dolphins right there at three and three. But this is the three-game stretch right here um, that we've been waiting for all season. They get New England this week at home. And regardless of what the Patriots look like, regardless of what we think of the New England Patriots, the Bills need to win this game because for like a fan standpoint and a team standpoint of just getting over the Patriots hurdle in our and Bills fans' minds. And you guys better smack the Patriots after oh, yeah. how, how long they've been gatekeeping you from the division. And I think that the I think that the Bills are going to be this is going to be the game that they've been most motivated for since probably last year in the playoffs. Like they're they're going to want to come out and make a statement against the Patriots and beat them while they're down for sure. But after yeah. that, we talked about earlier. It's the it's Seattle at home and then at Arizona. And so you see, they beat stretch. the Patriots. They're six and two. They beat the Patriots in Gillette. No, it's in Buffalo next week. Okay. But you get Seattle, Arizona. They got to split. They got to be seven and three at the bye. They really got to be two and one in their next three games. They can't be six and four because who knows what the Dolphins are going to be. Like, I, we don't know what to expect from Tua. He could be a fucking superstar for all we know. We'll see more after this week. But I'd be determined. I watched that dude play for three years in college and thought he was basically going to be the best quarterback of all time once he got to the NFL. And then he got hurt. And that's the only thing that's still in my mind putting between him and being the best quarterback in the NFL is the fact that he might get hurt again. But that dude can make any throw and make any play at all times. We'll see. I'm not (laughs) as sold. And I just think that that Dolphins team before the season started said, before the bye week, we're making our switch. They might have. And this might be the only thing that makes sense to me of why they made the switch when they did. Is that before, like they just had it thought, but didn't tell anyone clearly because like, Fitzpatrick was clearly like amazed by that. Yeah, but it, I just don't know. I, I the timing doesn't make sense unless that that's what they had already planned to do. I think it was probably in the plan, but I think it's also because he uh, he looks good. <laughs> I mean, he looks he probably looks good in practice and yeah. looks healthy and is ready to go. And uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. That's an interesting game this week against the Rams. I'm going to be all eyes on that. I just want to see what Tua does. Um, So let's move on to our top performers, or not even top performers of the week, but just uh, performances that we want to spotlight here. 
in the in a couple of these other games. And we'll start with one Thomas Brady, who really uh, should we say turned it? I don't even know if "turned it back" is the right term here. He but, turned back the clock. Yeah, oh, yeah, he turned yeah. back the clock. You, <laughs> you want to go? All right, go. Yeah, yes, go he turned back the clock. He finally looks like in week after week, this team just keeps looking better and better. And this is the week where it looks like they finally hit their stride of being all put together. Everyone's on time and everything just looked like it was synced up. We haven't even seen a Mike Evans game yet. Mike Evans still is going to have a game this year. Just wait. Um, And this team looks better and better every week. And I just think that slowly but surely, like they're getting a lot of momentum. So is it a little too early week seven to be getting hot? Maybe. Um, but at the same time, I just think that they're just starting to gel and they look really good. And Tom Brady, clearly, I mean, four touchdowns, not a single turnover. Um, and of course, Gronk is still getting touchdowns. And it's just, it's fun to watch. Good for Tom. So what do you think the Antonio Brown factor will be on this team then? I don't think they need him. They don't need him, but do you think that he's going to, is he going to be a top? 10 receiver in the league again is he gonna be the star is he even gonna start on this team that's what i think he has to work his way up i think that and supposedly this was all of bruce arian's acquisition yeah no no shot yeah okay guys (laughs) you're not (laughs) fooling anybody here um but as long i think that they need to keep a short lease on antonio brown and if he starts to be a distraction or in any way disrupting this team there's kind of pull a plug on that project and just it's not worth ruining your team, especially when you're starting to look this good. We'll see. I I think that I I really don't know what to expect from him. Pers like I don't think he's better than Chris Godwin. I I I will remain. I want to remain to see. I want to see him play against the Saints in a couple weeks and remain to, and then I'll form an opinion on what he's going to look like football wise. Because when this dude, last time this dude was on the field, I mean, with the Patriots, he had two touchdowns, but before that he was the best receiver in football. And it wasn't even a question who was the best receiver in football. It was Antonio Brown and everybody else. And only a couple of years removed from that guy. Like if he's 80% of that, this is probably the favorite in the NFC by far, because then with him and Godwin and Evans, that's there's no receiving core that can even touch that. Yeah. I mean, you're right. And I just, I don't know if the, if it's already too, are they at capacity at receiver? Do you think, or do you think you just keep adding? I think that's, I think this is, I mean, they're obviously, this is probably their big move that they've been waiting to make. And I think that this has been in the works and in discussion between Bruce Arians and whether they want to admit it or not, Tom Brady, for weeks and weeks and weeks. And it was finally like, okay, his suspension's coming up. Are we going to do this? And yeah. they decided that they trust the locker room enough to bring him in. And I'm sure that they have talked to AB and been like, I mean, we heard what Bruce Arians said in public. He was like, better be, you better be a team player or get the fuck out basically. And that's, I mean, and I think that when you have, especially a coach like Bruce Arians, who's well-respected Tom Brady, who's probably the most respected player in the league, and you just have good senior leadership within your team that you can afford to make risky plays like this mm-hmm. because on a bad team with poor leadership, Antonio Brown, I mean, look, we to the Raiders. Yeah. He, he ruined their season that year. Mm-hmm. I think like he was just nothing but a distraction through that entire training camp. They were on hard knocks and it was just, 
a shit show. The phone call, like yeah, <laughs> yeah. He was so happy to get released. It's like you have you don't even play it down. Yeah, <laughs> he's like I'm free, like screaming on hard knocks, <laughs> or no, that he was filming his own thing, which was just bizarre. Um, and but there's a team. You have Gruden, who's not. I don't think in the same can't even be mentioned in the same light as Bruce Arians, um, and just. Derek Carr, same thing. Like he's not. Well, you don't. You don't want Antonio Brown to be your team's leader. Yeah, and I think on this team he won't have to be. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And I I think that they're. I think especially coming into that locker room and the receiving core that he's coming into, like he knows that he's gonna have to work to get his minutes. Like he could be the touches. number three or four receiver on this team. Exactly, start. and they're not gonna. They're not gonna feel any which way about it if they're sitting him down. But I. I just. I understand why they want to get it potential wise because if he's anything close to what he was before all the bullshit, they just become, they just become Super Bowl favorites. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Especially with that defense. I mean, that defense is not going anywhere. Regardless, yeah, we, what should, yeah, we shouldn't that. downplay how good the defense is. All right, let's go into Jimmy G. Who I'm just. I mean, this was a shit show of a game for the Patriots in every level, but it had to feel good for Jimmy G to get revenge over Bill Belichick. Even, even if it was Bill being nice to him, getting rid of him for that trade to the Niners and giving him a starting job and everything. It had to feel good for Jimmy coming into New England and getting that win. Yeah. Anytime you get a win in Gillette, I think that's a good feeling, um, especially over your former team and over Bill Belichick. Cause Bill Belichick, I mean, he usually, he hasn't lost many games a year generally. And this is the first time that we've seen this team look human in a very long time. Um, good for Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't even think that he played in, like that great in particular, but he, they won the game. Um, and I think that Cam Newton looks really bad. And all the talk of, can you believe all these teams passed up on Cam Newton? I think is now really <laughs> quieted. Yeah. Um, and that we're in a really weird position now. And did they announce the starting quarterback for next week or are they benching Cam? Oh, no. Uh, Bill said no shot Cam's the quarterback next week. I don't think that they're, they're going to bench him the whole year. They, they're, I, I couldn't see that. COVID? COVID Cam? COVID Cam. I, I, wonder, I really wonder what – like we're never going to find out how much that has affected people. But the way him and Zeke have both looked, it's just hard to believe that it's not having any effect on them. Yeah, and I just everyone wants Cam Newton to be good. I think that like I don't know a single person who doesn't like Cam Newton, and you just hope that he figures it out. I don't want to see him get cut. I want to see him starting on a team that's successful. But this, the Patriots don't look good on paper. They look they don't look good at all. <laughs> they don't look good on the field. They don't look good on paper. Um, and Kyle Shanahan went out there and exposed them. Um, Good for Jimmy G. Good for the 49ers to finally get a little bit of respect back in the league. Back-to-back wins. I think they've just been... They started their season off so slow that they kind of had to hit their stride. And I think that their defense has just had a bunch, so many injuries to overcome. Not And not that their defense has played bad. They just had injuries all over the field that they've had. Oh, yeah. They've dealt with a lot of shit this year that like injury wise that teams it it would sink a lot of other teams the fact that they're a head above water and in a position to uh still make a run at it in the nfc west i mean that nfc west is gnarly but i if the niners win the division somehow at the end of the year i wouldn't be surprised agreed uh let's move on and uh give a shout out to matt stafford 
Matt Stafford and the Detroit Lions. And also, he can give a nice thanks to Todd Gurley. Um, we saw at the end of that game, Gurley, which you gave me the info on Todd Gurley. Do you want to give, give us that for the podcast? Oh, here? to get his multi- hundreds of thousands of dollar incentive, he needs to have either 1,000 rushing yards or I believe it was 13 touchdowns. Yeah, so Gurley did he, fell in on purpose? <laughs> did he score on purpose? He tried to stop. He it looked like he really was like, oh shit, I can't go in to give set up context. If you didn't watch this game, the the Falcons were up. I can't remember the score of what the score was at the top of my head when they scored that touchdown. They they would have been able to kick a field goal. They would have been able to kick a field goal and win the game. And Gurley broke a tackle and had a free reign to the end zone. Remembered, it looked like finally remembered that he shouldn't score on the one yard the line. clock out and tried to fall down in front of the one, but did not. And he was in the end zone. And it was the weirdest thing because you saw Lions players celebrating that Todd Gurley had scored a touchdown because they knew they were going to get the ball back. And what did Matt Stafford do? Went right down the field and scored a touchdown as time expired to TJ Hawkinson. And the Falcons lose in another heartbreaking fashion. The Falcons have reinvented ways to lose football <laughs> games. <laughs> I've never seen a team get this creative with the way that they lose. Um, yeah, and did you, fun fact, Matt Ryan is leading the league in passing yards. Didn't even what? know that. No. Didn't, didn't even know that. Promise. <laughs> um, but yeah, this team is just so bad, and it's been painful to watch. I feel bad for them every week for having to go out there. Um, and good for Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford has had a tough tough time in Detroit. I don't think anyone like Detroit is one of those teams. that's just every year they seem they're bad, like four wins. Like they're never really a good team. Um, but Matt Stafford got all that money. And I think he kind of proved why he got the money going to win in the game on a game winning drive against the team that does this all the time. Yeah. Um, good for him. <laughs> good for them. Lions and Michigan went on the same weekend. I don't know how many, I don't have the stats on how often that's happened in the last couple of years, but I can, I'm, going to safely assume it's not a lot of weekends that Michigan sports fans have had to celebrate both of that. So just another odd, odd part of this NFL season that that happened. Um, let's, uh, let's go into our last year performer here, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers with the, uh, after the horrible performance he had against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, complete bounce back game against the horrid Houston Texans. They were not horrid. <laughs> they're getting schedule fucked. <laughs> they listen. They they if they're only getting schedule fucked, then they would win one of these games, right? <laughs> no, they've they've played a lot of teams that are just flat out better than them before the season started. Uh, I would have told you that they're better than them. I um, still think that they should. I still think you should punch above your weight at least one game. It's just yeah, uh, it's been um, pretty tough to watch. It's it's been a shit show in, in Houston. I feel bad for them. But on the other hand, Aaron Rodgers with a huge bounce back game, similar stat line to Tom Brady, four touchdowns, no interceptions, um, and an absolute monster game from Devontae Adams, almost touching 200 yards with two touchdowns. Um, I, I think Aaron Rodgers really needed this just to kind of get back in the flow. Not that we ever worry about Aaron Rodgers not being in flow, but he looked really bad against the Bucks, and I think that he just – he looked really, really good against the Texans. Yeah, I'm, he got back on track, and I, I think that was, I think the uh, the game against the Tampa Bay was more of an anomaly than anything. I mean, Tampa's that good. I think for sure that that defense is that good, but 
I don't think it was – I think that game was more about how good Tampa was, not how bad the Packers actually are. Because I think the Packers are still – I mean, they're probably – I still have them as the favorite in the NFC right now. I could see why you'd make arguments for other teams, but they just look like the most complete team right now in the NFC. Yeah, I agree. I think that they – I think the AFC looks significantly stronger right at the – like right now. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot more talent in the AFC, but – when it comes to the NFC, I think it's Green Bay and the it's, Buccaneers. It's Green um, Bay, the Bucks, and the NFC West, basically. <laughs> Those are yeah. the teams that you got to look out. Like, I don't know who's going to break out of that NFC West shuffle. I mean, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if any of those teams are win that division. And I, not to talk, jump onto the NFC West, I just think that you're exactly right. The AFC is more balanced all the way throughout. And uh, a team like Green Bay is going to be able to take advantage of that in a weaker NFC. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I'm excited to come playoff time. We're only week seven, so plenty of football left to play, which is always a good thing. And see, yeah, seeing who comes out and who's going to be the top three teams in the NFC um, is just going to be so much fun to watch. So to wrap it up here, let's just go through our top five teams we currently have in our power rankings. Benny, why don't you start off with your top five? Because we kind of we have the same top five until we get to the bottom here, and we'll talk about that. So yeah, starting off, I think the Chiefs reigning Super Bowl champions. It's hard to say that anyone is better than them right now. Um, their offense has looked unstoppable at every stop. I mean, they're 19 and a half point favorites to the Jets. Yes. This I've never seen a spread that huge in my life. And I just think that this team is looking pretty unbeatable all the way across the board. Um, at number two, I have to just admit the Steelers are the second best team in the AFC. Um, I think that they just lack a little bit of firepower on offense, but not by much. And that's just comparing them to the Chiefs. Um, I think that the Steelers are really good and have a legitimate shot to go to the Super Bowl this year, which pains me to say. Um, At number three, I'm still going with Green Bay, which I was debating putting... I'll explain this later. I was thinking of putting Tampa Bay up here, but I still think Green Bay is a better team. I know they lost, but I think that Green Bay has been more put together than the Buccaneers so far and has more, they're more established, I think, still. At number three, I'm going to go with the Titans. Love the Titans. I love watching them play. I love their coaching. Um, Derrick Henry is a freak of nature, and they seem to just every week come prepared and just have a game plan for everyone. And at number five, I have the Ravens. I think Lamar Jackson still has something to prove this year. Hasn't looked as good as he did last year. I still think he's really, he's going to step up. He's going to have a game where everyone looks and goes, that's why he was the MVP last year. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that their defense is extremely underrated as well. Um, I think their biggest cap is going to be their passing game and how well they can, I think they're going to have to pick up a receiver, Des Bryant. Um, but maybe someone else to come to the trade deadline. Yeah. And the Buccaneers I left off once again, because I don't think they're as established as these other teams, but if they catch stride, I would be able to put them above green Bay. So the only difference that me and you had, we had our top three, same uh, Kansas city, Pittsburgh, green Bay, all the things you just said exactly where I'm at with those teams. Um, I had Baltimore number four, and maybe that's a lot more faith in Baltimore, but I love that Baltimore defense. I think that, I don't know which defense is better, the Steelers or the Ravens uh, at this point. We'll find I out. Probably, yeah, we'll find out when they play this week. It'll be a good test for 
Lamar and for that uh, it's a good test for the Steelers offense too to see what they can do against a really top tier defense. Um, I'm really excited to see that game, but I just think that their ceiling, if Lamar can kind of get back to where he was last year, is a lot higher than all these other teams. And I didn't have the Titans in my top five. Uh, believe it or not. I, I don't disrespect the Titans anymore as much as I was at the beginning of the year. They're number six in my rankings right outside, but I have Tampa Bay in there. Um, I just think, again, that defense and the way Tom is playing, if he's if Tom's going to keep up this level of play, they're going to jump up to that right up there with uh, Kansas City as the top team in the NFL because that defense is for real and They've got weapons, and if Antonio Brown is what he used to be any bit, there's, it, it's, I don't know how you stop them. I really don't. Yeah, and I agree. I think that, yeah, if Antonio Brown comes in and proves to be productive and without throwing off the chemistry of the other team, of the rest of his teammates, I think that we're just going to have to say that it's going to be, you're, you're looking at a Super Bowl potential of being the Chiefs and the Bucks on paper. Obviously, things get weird come playoff time. But on paper, that I mean, those look like your two best teams, AFC and NFC. I've got my Super Bowl as of right now is Chiefs-Packers. and I've, That was my Super Bowl pick at the beginning of the year, and I'm going to stay with it for now because they both looked good. But I think in a Green Bay-Tampa Bay game, I would lean towards picking the Bucks still, even, even though I would say that just head-to-head. I mean, we already saw what happened the first time. I don't think it would be a blowout like that again. but the Bucks are for real. And uh, I think those are clearly the two best teams in the NFC. And we'll see which NFC West team decides to, you know, separate themselves from the pack. I, I would love to put Seattle in here because Russ has been playing out of his mind. But that defense, compared to these these five teams that are in the top five, even Kansas City's defense is not – they're not top-tier unit, but they're a good unit. They're a lot better than they were last year. I think Green Bay is the worst defense out of the ones that we've listed. Yeah, but even them, they can get their run defense is really what their issue is, mm-hmm. but they can get stops. It doesn't seem like the Seattle defense can ever get stopped. So I think that's what kind of separates them with uh, these top five teams. Packers are plus 600 to win the NFC. That's good value. That's good value. What's the Steelers? You got it there, right? I don't know. I got, the, I got the Titans at plus 800. I, got, I think the Steelers are around plus 800 as well. So uh, interest, it's a g- interesting. Uh, It'll be an interesting next couple of weeks to see how these how these teams uh, kind of filter out. And the big game this week, especially Steelers-Ravens, will give us a lot more clarity in the AFC picture. All right, guys. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Couch QBs. Follow us at underscore Couch underscore QBs and give us a uh, subscribe to us on Apple and Spotify. Don't forget to review on Apple and uh, enjoy the week eight slate. 